God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for being here today. I am going to invite your attention to the word of the Lord. And I'm going to be reading from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 28. And I want to begin reading at the first verse. Just a few verses of scripture in your hearing. And that sweet presence of the Lord that we feel is so healing, refreshing. There is joy. In a world that, that is facing many sorrows, there is joy among the people of God. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning. His raiment was white as snow. For fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. <laughs> he is not here, Pastor Sizemore, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. Both of them. And they did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. And I want to bring your attention to the first part of the first verse. Where that it says in the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. And I want to speak to you this morning on this subject the dawn of a new day. The dawn of a new day. Could we just lift up our voices together and seek Jesus in this house? Lord, your presence, your presence, your presence is so beautiful. Lord, I see it upon the face of every soul that has gathered into this room. Lord, we pray that you will bless each and every person that is here. Lord, let your word have free course. We thank you for your mighty power. We thank you for your miracle-working greatness. And Lord, I pray that that great power of your resurrection would infiltrate our lives. Just come to us, Lord, I pray. Help us to know you in a deeper and more fulfilling way than we've ever known you before. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. And amen. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's Word. We celebrate today the most glorious experience that ever occurred on this planet. It truly is the most glorious experience. It is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this was remarkable in so many ways and for so many reasons. First and foremost, just right out of the gate, I want to tell you that the reason he rose from the dead is because he was sinless. He had no sin in him. And because he had no sin in him, 
death had no jurisdiction over him. The only thing that gives death jurisdiction over a human body is sin. Sin comes, the Bible says, and death by sin. And that is the only thing that gives death jurisdiction over a human body. But the problem is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So every one of us have sin in our lives. Every one of us have committed sins. And so every one of us are doomed to die. But, but Jesus, who is God manifest in the flesh, our Redeemer, our Savior, our friend, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. He is so faithful and willing to heal us and to save us from ourselves. And he lived a life that you and I are incapable of living. A life that you and I have tried in vain and struggled and failed time after time to live. But he lived the life that satisfied the law, the life that exceeded, that exceeded all expectation and all efforts of humanity. You can start trying today to live your best life and you will still fall short of the glory of God. Oh, but there is one who is tempted in all points as we are tempted. There is one who experienced all of our pain, all of our suffering in the same way that we experience it. But he overcame that sinful temptation. He never did commit a sin. And when he went down into the grave, he went down into the grave unlike any other individual who ever went down into the grave. Everybody else that had gone down into that grave, sin had a fingerprint upon their life. But when Jesus' body went down into that grave, he went down as a man, 100% man, but 100% God. God manifest in human flesh. And he went down into that, into that grave, sinless and spotless, without blemish, without fault. And when he did, death had no ability to hold on to him. Death looked at hell. Hell looked at the grave. They all talked together and realized, what do you do? What do you do with a body that lived and, on this earth, walked on this earth, talked on this earth, was tempted in all points as every man or woman can be tempted and yet committed no sin. There's only one thing that can be done. You have to let it go. You have to let it go. And Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead triumphant over death. He rose from the dead triumphant over hell. He rose from the dead triumphant over the grave. And I want you to know that if you and I will repent of our sins, which means turn away from our sins, and if you and I will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, which is to be buried with him by baptism into his death, then we will rise with him to walk in newness of life by being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This is the gift of God. It is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't just have eternal life. 
we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are able to be baptized into his name and take on his identity, relinquishing our own identity, taking on his identity. So relinquishing the thing that is guilty, taking on the thing that is innocent, relinquishing the thing that has sinned, taking on the thing that has never sinned. Oh, yes, it's amazing grace. Oh, yes, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Yes, we shout. Of course we sing. Absolutely we dance. God is good. God is great. He rescued us from a pit of despair. Woo, hallelujah. These shouts of adulation that you hear, these shouts of praise that you hear, those that lift their voice in song and those who dance before him with all their might, these are the redeemed. These are the people who were once in great darkness. These are the people who once were in great bondage. These are the people who had sorrow overladen their lives. If we went around this room and passed this microphone around, people could tell you about when they were suicidal. People could tell you about when they were down and out and in despair. People could tell you about when they too were in that lonely grave. Oh, but Jesus. Oh, but the power of Jesus Christ. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed of that gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Oh, bless his holy name. Somebody clap your hands unto him. When he died, he died a sinless man who had been tempted in every aspect of life, but never with any sin. So he was bound to come up from the grave. And when he came up from the grave, he had told, he had told his disciples that this, this would happen. But they had forgotten what he had said. And so the Bible tells us in our text that in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that, that they came to the tomb and they found that there was no body in the tomb. The Bible says there had been a great earthquake. That the angel of the Lord had come down. And that angel of the Lord, the Bible says that he rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning. His raiment was white as snow. For fear of him, the keepers of the grave trembled and shook and fell down, became as though they were dead. That's what Matthew said, that it happened at the first day of the week. John recorded these words. He said, the first day of the week cometh Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Luke said it this way, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, certain others with him. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Mark said it this way, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Siloam, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, 
the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said unto themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? On their way to the grave, they asked themselves the question, Who's going to roll away the stone? You know, we didn't think this all the way through. We didn't, we didn't, uh, we don't really have the, we don't really have the back to put into it. Who's going to do it for us? But when they looked in verse 4 of Mark 16, they saw that the stone was already rolled away. Every gospel writer took the time to express to us the significance that this resurrection experience occurred upon the first day of the week. That this resurrection experience took place when they discovered it, it was very early in the morning. While it was yet dark, at the rising of the sun, they came to the sepulcher and they found that the stone had already been rolled away. The first day of the week. Do you know that is still why we are worshiping God on Sunday? Because it is the first day of the week. That's, that's why by tradition that we take this day to worship the Lord. Not because it's the seventh day of the week. The seventh day of the week was yesterday. It's because it's the first day of the week. And we worship the Lord on the first day of the week. The Bible doesn't call it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The Bible calls it the first day of the week, the second day of the week, the third, all the way to the seventh day of the week. So the emphasis on the fact that it was the first day of the week is, is very interesting because not only does it let us know that a new week was beginning, that a new day was dawning, but it lets us know that a, a prior week had come to a conclusion, that there had been the completion of a thing and that it was giving way to the newness of a thing. And so it's a very interesting fact that each gospel writer lets us know that a whole new week was beginning. That a whole new day was dawning. That something was changing and something was happening that was of great significance. But to understand that, you have to understand that something had come to a completion. And the thing that had come to a completion was what we now call the Holy Week. The Holy Week. And the Holy Week is interesting. Now, we, we call it the Holy Week because of all that transpired. And perhaps the holiest of all things took place on that week. Because, yes, this Resurrection Sunday is great. But this Resurrection Sunday doesn't happen if Jesus isn't crucified. And Jesus being crucified doesn't even matter if he's not the Lamb of God. If he wasn't obedient in all things, if he wasn't pure, if he wasn't truly holy, if he was some imposter, then his crucifixion doesn't even matter. He's just another guy that was killed for what he believed. But he was the spotless lamb of God. Hallelujah. The priests had been handling the symbolism of him for generations, but now the substance of that symbol was stepping onto the scene, and this it provoked John the Baptist when he saw him to say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. This Lamb of God was crucified in the middle of 
what we call the Holy Week. And this Holy Week, man, you talk about the full spectrum of emotion. It opens with, with the crowds thronging him as he rides through on a, on a donkey. And, and the Bible says that they waved palm leaves. That was a week ago. That was last week. Everybody say, last week. That was so last week. Everybody's waving palm leaves and, and saying Hosanna, which means Lord save us. And they're saying Lord save us. And we call it his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he marches into Jerusalem and every step that he's taking is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. Everything that he does, every act that he engages in, everything he is confronted by, everything he encounters, everything that occurs, everyone who attacks him, all of it is a fulfillment of prophecy. This holy week begins with the crowds praising him and ends with the crowds crying crucify him. It begins with the crowd saying, Lord, save us. And it ends with them mocking him saying, this Jesus is the king of the Jews. Tongue in cheek, facetious. And they crucified him. In the middle of that holy week, he was wounded. In the middle of that holy week, he was bruised. In the middle of that holy week, he was chastised, mocked, afflicted. He had to undergo and endure the most awful and despicable and terrifying cruel torture that any human being could ever know. And that is what Jesus experienced on the same week that they cried, Lord, save us. Yes, there were highs and there were lows. Yes, there was blood. Yes, there was sweat. There were tears. There were times that he answered not a word when he was accused of all sorts of terrible things. Accused of blasphemy, and he answered not a word. This man endured some kind of week. Ups and downs, hills and valleys, problems and blessings, all in one holy week. Holy meaning separate and pure. Separate. That's what holy means, separate and pure. And that's what that week was. It was separate from any other week. And it was pure because of what was experiencing. I want to tell you it was probably the worst week that, that has ever been accounted for and the best week that has ever been accounted for. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you when you get to that cross and you look at that scene unfold, it, we, 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 we kind of quickly just say it and move on and say, Jesus died for me. Oh, yeah, he died for me. But I want you to know that the sun went dark. I want you to know that the ground began to shake. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that the disciples were scattered. Nobody was even serving him. It was, if there, was a, there were a few ladies, and one of, them was, one of them was his mom. And then his buddy John. That's all he had left from the thousands he fed with the loaves and the fishes and so forth. They're there at the cross. And, and this is not what you call a good week, but it was the best week. You can't go by appearances as to what God is really doing. 
I've seen people in the most dire and difficult of circumstances. And, and what is really happening is amazing because God is doing something under the surface. God is fulfilling things that need to be fulfilled. God is bringing things into completion that need to be completed because there's a new day coming. Because there's a new dawn. There's another day. There's another week. I know you feel like you'll never get out of this week. I, I know you'll think you'll never get out of this moment. where Everything goes dark and everything becomes gloomy. And everybody scatters and all the problems arise. But oh friend, the first day of the week is coming. There is the dawn of a new day. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to know what gave Jesus the ability to endure this horrible but phenomenal week. What gave him the ability to endure it is what happened right in the middle of the week. What happened in the middle of the week was him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had decided, I've seen enough. I don't want to take this cup. Lord, if it be possible, Father, if it be possible, let this cup Pass from me. And yet, and yet, he knew he was going to have to take the cup. Do you know what cup that is? The Bible says in the book of Psalms, in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup. And in it is the wrath of God. The mixture of his wrath is boiling and brooding and seething inside of that cup. And it is to be poured upon humanity for their sins. But God has come into human flesh and said, I'm going to take the cup that was meant for everybody else. But when he got right up to the cup and looked inside and saw the toxins and the poisons and the debilitating mixture of boiling, seething, horrible wrath and vengeance, he said, I don't want this cup. But he realized that if he didn't take it, we'd have to take it. So he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Let me say something to you on this Resurrection Sunday morning. If you will simply say to God and mean it, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done, you can handle anything that comes your way. Anything that rises up against you, you've got what it takes if you'll surrender your will to God. Anything. Nothing is greater than you. Nothing is stronger than you. Hallelujah. The week is an interesting thing. I preached a couple of years ago about the significance of the week. And when I preached about it, our very own brother Johnson reached out to me. And he said, Brother Urshan, he's a Hebrew scholar studying right now at the Hebrew Union Theological uh, Seminary. And he said, uh, Brother Urshan, the significance of the week is so interesting because it is the only time specification and measurement of days that is not tied to the moon or the sun. The month, the reason we call it the month, the M-O-N is connected to the word moon. It's how the earth rotates around the moon. And the year is connected to the earth's rotation around the sun. But the week is not connected to the rotation of the sun or the moon. It just simply is a seven-day period. It is purely the prerogative of God. 
No scientist established the week. Only God established the week. And he didn't call it Sunday to Saturday. It's not named by God after heathen gods. It's named the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh day. And the first week we ever encounter is the week of creation. On the first day, God said, let there be light. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. That unleashed a whole new experience that this earth had never known. When the Spirit of God began to move and the Word of God came forth. And I want you to know that that same Spirit that moved upon the face of the earth in Genesis 1 is moving in this building right now. That same word that proceeded out of his mouth is proceeding out of his mouth right now. Do you know what that means? That means plants are getting ready to grow. The sun is getting ready to shine. The birds are getting ready to sing. Life is getting ready to flourish. People are getting ready to be free. Lives are getting ready to be changed. Souls are getting ready to be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And on the seventh day, he rested from his labors. And I won't get into this, but those seven days of creation are connected back to what the Bible calls the seven spirits of God. The seven breaths of God. The seven expressions of his spirit. And they are the spirit of the Lord and counsel and might and knowledge and understanding and the fear of the Lord. And this, this, these seven expressions of God's spirit, they are the perfecting of a thing. So the reason there were seven days in the first week of creation is because there was a perfecting that occurred. And the perfecting was signified by his rest on the seventh day. In that holy week, if you please, if I can call it that, we call it that by tradition. On that holy week prior to this first day of the week, there was a completion of a thing. And this is why we hear Jesus say on the cross, it is finished. Because there was a completion of a covenant. There was a completion of an old law. There was a completion of a thing. Hallelujah. And he, he finished that thing and then went into a Sabbath. And the silence of that Sabbath was deafening. The silence of a Sabbath. I've been in Israel on Sabbath. And I was there at, 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 for Shabbat. And I was there for Shavuot. This was the, the Feast of Pentecost. Ten years ago, I was there for the Feast of Pentecost when they celebrate the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And we, of course, know that on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, the law was written upon the hearts of men, women in that upper room, and even today. But they were celebrating it. And I'm going to tell you what, you, there, everything in town shut down. Everything in town. The elevators shut down. You could, when you got onto the elevator in your hotel room, you couldn't push the buttons. If you were on the 10th floor, you were out of luck. Because the buttons would just go to each floor, first, second, third, fourth, because it was a day of rest. And nobody was to touch the buttons because that was seen as an extension of labor. And so, so when, when I say Sabbath, the silence is deafening. And sometimes when we go through something in life, 
you go through the trauma and you go through the pain and you go through the difficulty of a thing and then you come to the silence that follows and you're wondering where is God? Because it looks like he just got wounded, bruised, beaten, chastised, afflicted and buried. So where is God? But I've come to tell you today, regardless of how deafening the silence of your circumstances may be, regardless of how traumatic some of the events of last week were, regardless of what highs there were and what lows there were, I've come to tell somebody there is a new day dawning. Hallelujah. There is a new day dawning. Hallelujah. I said there is a new day dawning. And we're not going to be bound by the trauma of our past experience. I just want to know, is there a show of hands of some people who have been through some stuff in life up to this point? Well, I've come to give you this word. That was so last week. I said that was so last week. It's time to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive. He's alive. Oh, I want to preach to you today. You don't have to live in bondage anymore. You don't have to live in pain anymore. You don't have to live in sadness and sorrow anymore. It's the dawn of a new day. It's the dawn of a new day. Glory. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. He's not bleeding anymore. He's not bleeding anymore. They're not spitting on him anymore. He's not being mocked anymore. Not in this new day. Not in this new dawn. He is alive with healing in his wings. He is alive pouring out the Holy Ghost severally as he will. He is alive. We are healed by the stripes on his back. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. He is alive. Hallelujah. No, no, we don't, have to, we don't have to go relive the trauma of last week. We can step into the dawn of a new day. We can step into the dawn of a new experience. Hallelujah. Notice what happens. The Bible said that it was so terrifying what happened in the new dawn of a new day that the keepers of the grave, they trembled and they fell, became as dead men. They were so shocked. By what they were seeing. The countenance of the angel was like lightning. That'd be shocking. I don't even know what that means. But if you see some kind of lightning flash in front of your eyes. And there's this big man standing there. That's a little unnerving. There are some things about the new day that are unnerving. There are some things about the new day that you're not sure what they mean. You look at this new day and all you hear is you hear the ground shaking beneath your feet. You, you, you hear, you see lightning flashing and you see this raiment white like snow. And, and there's, there's, there are a lot of unusual things and it can cause us to fear. But when the angel looked at the women, he said, fear ye not. He is not here. He is risen from the dead. And the Bible said, he said, go and tell the disciples that he is alive, that he has risen from the dead. The Bible says they ran with fear and great joy. Both of them. You know what? It's okay to run with both of them. We still got to run. 
You may not have it all figured out. It may not make all, all the sense in the world to you just yet. There might be some reservation. There might be a little concern. There might be some fear. But, but don't let that rob you of the great joy in the news that he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. My God have mercy. I, you know what? I've just decided I'm going to run. I'm going to run. It doesn't matter what I'm afraid of. The joy outweighs the fear. The joy outweighs what concerns I may have. I'm going to run this race with patience that is set before me. I'm going to tell everybody I can. He is alive. And if you'll go quickly, if you'll go quickly to tell the disciples and tell others, the Bible says they met Jesus. And when they met Jesus, he said, be not afraid. And we don't see again where they were ever afraid again. You know, the angel was a messenger. A messenger can tell you he's alive. But until you meet Jesus, the messenger can, can put the fear at bay and say, there's reason to have joy. So you've got this dichotomy of joy and fear if you're listening to the messenger. But if you do what the messenger says to do and go down the path the messenger says to go down, you'll meet Jesus along the way. And when you meet Jesus, he's going to take that fear away. Hallelujah. I want people to meet Jesus. Hallelujah. I know I can speak for Pastor Sizemore. We don't want people to meet Joel or Joe. We want them to meet Jesus. We don't want people to meet us. We want them when they meet us to be meeting Jesus. We want them to meet the one who can save their soul. Because when they do, he's going to take the fear away. He's going to take the fear away. Jesus will do it. Jesus will do it. The best sermon in the world, that won't do it. But Jesus will do it. You hear me? When you actually do meet Jesus, he's going to do something for you that nothing or nobody could ever do. Ah, how many know what I'm telling you is the truth? How many, how many remember when you went from hearing about him to knowing him? How many remember when you went from knowing who he is to experiencing who he is? <laughs> Glory to God. They walk down on the day of the new day of this first day of this week. It's a new day. The sun is about to rise. It's still dark outside. And on their way down, these ladies looked and said, Oh, you know what we forgot? We forgot the fulcrum to move that stone. We forgot the, 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 the pickup truck and the chains. We forgot how we going to move this stone. And when they got to where they were going, the stone had already been rolled away. Now you see resurrections before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. People had to move the stones. When Jesus rose, raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, roll away the stone. And people got on either side and they started pushing and pulling and tugging and they're getting in line and people are all pushing together and they're putting contraptions and engineering devices. And it was a whole process trying to roll away the stone. That's what it was like before the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. But today is a new day. And now you don't have to roll away the stone. He'll roll away the stone for you. 
I've come to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, that we're entering into a day, we're entering into an hour where God's going to do a work for us that we don't have to do ourselves. I'm telling you about miracles that you think you're going to have to contrive and you're not going to have to contrive them. God is going to perform them. We don't have to roll away stones. We don't have to move away stones. The angel of the Lord will come from heaven and do my. You just get up early in the morning and seek him. I said, you just get up early in the morning and seek him. God will do the rest. God will do the heavy lifting. God will do the hard labor. Hallelujah. Brother Mike Lloyd, talking to Brother Mike Lloyd this week, and he reminded me of his wonderful testimony. I love to hear it every time I hear it. I rejoice in the Lord. 20 years addicted to alcohol. And he had a, he had a process. He'd wake up in the morning and he tells this testimony. So, so I, I want to share it with you. He would open a beer in the morning and drink it. And then he'd grab a, two more. One on the way out to the lawnmower. And one to put in the cup holder on the lawnmower while he was mowing the lawn. And while he was seeking God and he was needing deliverance from this addiction to alcoholic substance, he prayed a prayer and said, Lord, I need you to take away the craving for alcohol. And his thought was, I know that's impossible because I've been trying for 20 years for that craving to go away. And I've been unable to move that stone. But when he woke up the next morning... A new day had dawned. A new day had dawned. And he said, you know what? He said, I, I'm not thirsty for beer this morning. He just simply didn't want it that morning. And he went to the fridge, and he didn't even know if he had anything else, but he thought, man, I could really use a, a, a strawberry-flavored uh, water from Walmart. That's what I'm in the mood for. And so he started looking around his, his refrigerator, pushed past all the beers, and he found a strawberry-flavored water in the back of the refrigerator and guzzled it and said, man, that was refreshing. He craved that instead of beer. There he is right there with uplifted hands. God delivered him from the alcohol. A stone he couldn't roll away. The angel of the Lord stepped down and said, I'll roll away the stone you can't roll away. I've come to tell somebody that a new day has dawned. It's the dawn of a new day. The day of miracles and signs and wonders and peace and love and joy and a No, no, I'm not, I've not come here to tell you about the horrors of our world. I've come to tell you about the hope of Jesus Christ. I've come to tell you about the love and the mercy of our God. Lift up your hands and give him praise if you will. Could you do it? Could you just lift up your hands and give him praise? <laughs> a new day, a new day, a new day. The day star is arising.
All across this house as our musicians come, I want to welcome you to stand to your feet and lift up your hands with us in this house. I want everybody who has stepped into a new day to just lift up a praise unto God. Lift up a praise unto God. <laughs> I... <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, listen. I know. I know it feels like the burden is on your shoulders. Like you have to do it all. Like you, you have so much to fix, to format, to, to prepare. To, and it's overwhelming because it's a stone you can't roll away. And, and last week, yeah, last week we used to have to roll stones away. If we wanted a miracle, last week, man, it was we had to, we had to do it all. Under the old law, man, we was us. But today is a new day. And now uh, Jesus showed me, Brother Halton. I'm so glad to see you healthy and worshiping God here today. Healed. Healed. I'm telling you, there's miracles all over this house. My God. Brother Duvall, I, I drove in one day and started looking around, and my family and I started talking to each other and said, my goodness, I'm literally looking at people walking the aisles who were dead. I mean, there's several people who were dead and are alive. I'm telling you, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. We have every reason to believe, to have faith. But Brother Haltham, Jesus showed us what to do. He showed us, just go to that garden and surrender your will. Just tell him, Lord, okay, not my will. But thy will be done. He did that for us. He's showing you how the stone will roll away. He's showing you how your family will be healed. He's showing you how your soul can be saved. He's showing you. He's showing you how the relationship can be restored. He's showing you how you can have peace in your mind. Not my will, Lord. But thy will be done. Whoo, hallelujah. There's so much joy in this house. I, my heart is so full to overflowing. I wonder if there's somebody today. The first group I want to come are those who remember when he delivered you. Could you please come? You remember when he delivered you. When he saved you. He saved you and he brought you out. Oh, hallelujah. And I want some folks to join them. Come on, I need some folks to join them who want to surrender your will right now. And just say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Come on, that's it. Let the Holy Ghost begin to move in this place. Hallelujah. God's going to roll away that stone. The Lord is going to roll away that stone on your behalf. The Lord is going to move it on your behalf. The Lord is going to move it on your behalf. The Lord is going to move that thing that has been too heavy. That thing that has been too severe. That thing that has been overwhelming. My goodness, the Holy Ghost is ministering in this place. That thing you can't lift. That thing you can't carry. That thing you can't budge. That thing you can't move. In this new day, the Lord's going to move it for you. If you believe it, just lift up your hands with me. Just lift up your hands unto the Lord in this house. <laughs> it's too heavy, God.
it's too heavy. And there's a messenger telling me that in this new day, if I'll surrender myself to you, that you'll do the heavy lifting for me. Oh, yes, Jesus, precious Jesus. Yes, Jesus, precious Jesus. Lord, you are alive and well in this place. Oh, God, I want you to lift the heavy burden from the shoulders of people that have gathered here today. Come on, let him lift the heavy load from your shoulders. Oh, I, 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 I feel like somebody's carrying a weight. I just can't get away from this. I feel like somebody's carrying a weight that has had you so burdened down. And you really don't think you can continue on. God wants you to give it to him right now. Give it to him right now. Leave it in last week. Leave it in last week. Today is a new day. Today is a new day. Oh, precious Jesus, precious Jesus, precious Jesus. Come on, that's it. Repent from your sins right now. Lord, I turn away. I turn away from my sins, the things that have separated me from you, the things that have kept me, Lord, from following you. I turn away from it right now. I turn away from it right now. I surrender my will to you. In me. Yes, Lord. My shame. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Who could carry that kind <laughs> of weight? Oh, yes, Lord. It was, it was mine too. It was mine too. Till I met you. 